Alex. I mean, these are kook, cult, demons, hardcore, evil. I mean, these people are flaming scum, wild, crazy, dangerous people, just like the Nazis, the Soviets, all of them. Pol Pot killing 31% of Cambodia, murdering anybody that can read or write or wear glasses. You're like, why'd he do that? Because he's a flaming loon. And we make even the U.S. look like a, a paradise of stability and happiness. And no, we're not that powerful. <laughs> All right. Um, I have here with me um, Brian, a.k.a. Wilhelm de Erste, on uh, Twitter. How are you, Brian? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh... I'm uh, hanging on by a thread, but I have enough booze, so should be all right i'm, I'm recovering then, from a perfectly uh, horrible trip so i'm actually amazingly well <laughs> fantastic all right i am also here with um uh returning guest uh and good friend of mine pavel aka Lispegistus, um with whom i've talked about psychedelics and space aliens and really anything that is important in life we actually uh, didn't get to space aliens so we have to do that sometime Yes, we still have to do that. Thank you for the reminder. All right, so um, it is election season in the Netherlands. Um, about a week ago, there were elections, or I was about to say election season in Europe is what I meant. So about a week ago, there were elections in the Netherlands. Uh, about a week ago, I think there were also elections in uh, Germany. And in about a week from recording, um, which will be... I suppose about half a week from the moment this publishes, um, there will be elections in Bulgaria. Um, we are going to be uh, running down essentially um, the uh, the more important uh, topics, uh, and I've got a few well main points to introduce that with, and then we'll get into all kinds of tangents and how horrible. Um, Europe is. All right, so uh, I may not have said this live yet, but we are going from least worst to worst, um, which means that I will be starting. Um, so um, essentially, I have uh, these three points. Um, who are the big players? What has the situation been uh, and what's happening now, um, like around elections? So um, the main big players here in the Netherlands are uh, essentially the established uh, parties with, well, I suppose one exception. So we have like a fuck ton of different parties that you can choose from in the Netherlands um, for our parliamentary elections. Um, the main ones are the VVD, which is uh, the party that has been in power for like, the past 10 years. Uh, and they are, they kind of brand themselves as liberals, like liberals in the European sense and not the American sense. Um, I would say that they're more like new liberals uh, or ghouls. Uh, they've just been kind of eroding the welfare state bit by bit uh, and making deals with, uh, you know, large corporations, you know, the usual bullshit, but nothing 
well, there's been sort of previous cabinet fell uh, because of a tax scandal where um, immigrant families were targeted and they had to pay back thousands of euros in taxes or in um, like in, in subsidies that they received uh, because they were accused of tax fraud um, without any evidence whatsoever. Um, now, of course, um, there were also lockdowns um, starting at the uh, early in 2020, like halfway through March, I think, up until June. Then with uh, fairly minimal restrictions, everything was open um, during the summer. And then around December of 2020, everything locked up again. And we are now still in lockdown. Um, so that's roughly the situation here. Um, then, oh wait, so another couple of the big parties are the CDA, the essentially Christian uh, party. Um, they're also more or less liberal, a bit more focused on farmers and, and just like agricultural people, whatever you call them, Hicks. Um, and uh, then there's, well, the main thing that has been in any way interesting is the FED, the Forum for Democracy, which uh, last time around was a very new um, uh, right-wing populist party. Um, now, they lost a few seats this time around, uh, and it looks like we are going to have a coalition with pretty much the exact same parties that we had last time around because um, the VVD lost like a few seats. There's 150 to fill and I think they lost like four. Um, so another couple of the parties that were in the previous coalition um, gained a few seats. So we will probably have the exact same coalition that we've had over the past like four years, uh, which will be as worthless as ever. Um, so what's happening now? Uh, well, basically we are looking toward an extension of the lockdown through April. Um, and um, a new cabinet is being formed. So. Uh, for our American listeners, because that's the vast majority of them. Um, the way it works in a parliamentary democracy is you need, uh, of course, a majority in parliament to pass any law. Um, as such, uh, especially with the ridiculous amount of parties, I think there were like 34 on the ballot uh, in the Netherlands, um, you're going to need to form a coalition. So, you know, you take parties that kind of share your values or, or fall roughly in the same place or are cynical enough to work with you. Uh, really just kind of whatever works. Um, and you form a coalition with them that makes a majority. Uh, then you make a governmental accord in which you hammer out every single fucking detail that you could possibly imagine. Um, and then that determines every single policy for the next four years um, or until the next cabinet falls. Um, so there was like a minor, very minor controversy around that recently. So for every new formation of cabinet, a, um, a couple of scouts or a couple of forma, 
formateurs, for formators, whatever, uh, or, or negotiators have to be appointed. Um, and uh, apparently uh, a camera caught a glimpse of the notes of one of these people, um, which said something it shouldn't have said. So now they step down and others are coming in their place. So that's kind of the situation over here. Um, it's kind of shit, but it's nothing, nothing shocking. Um, so with that, I'm going to... Sounds like business as usual. Yeah, yeah, pretty much <laughs> business as usual. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you from here, Brian. Okay. Um, because I think German politics has been at least slightly more exciting. Yeah, German politics is a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we just had our uh, state and local elections uh, back right. March uh, 14th. And so the the only big news out of that was uh, that the Greens won really big in uh, Baden-Württemberg. They supplanted CDU for the first time in 50 years. Okay. And uh, the Greens are a relatively young party. They came about in the 90s. And they're, they're the worrisome party to worry out. And they're gaining a lot of traction here in Germany. I call them watermelons. They're green on the yeah. outside, but they're red in the middle. They are full-blown communists. And they like to hide behind climate change and, and racial justice being their thing. Uh, so the big that big sounds. Play... Um, Can I say that something? sounds a lot like our Green Links, which is just green left. So yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're actual communists because they're really anti-nuclear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, you can't be actually communist unless you uh, want to feed your children uranium. <laughs> That's... <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, man. Well, at oh, least yeah. it keeps from I, I grew up with a, with, a, with a hardcore Leninist grandmother, so kind of... Um, no, nothing anybody says about Western communists actually impresses me, and I don't believe them when they say they're actually communists. <laughs> That's... No. I, I, I can sorry. see that. I can see that. They're... Um... Uh, bourgeois progs, you could say. Yeah. Have you read more than one newspaper in your life? Oh, I'm sorry, you're not a communist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's true. Yeah. It's it's exactly the same brain pattern as hardcore Christians in America, right? If they don't have the exact same brain worms, but in a different direction, I don't think they're actually communists. We can call them socialists or whatever, but I reserve that word for the specifically the. The extremely narrow-minded, uh, you know, aggressive totalitarian mindset in my yeah, mind. Yeah, I mean, least. not to mention that real communists don't give a fuck about racial justice. Mm. Uh, their idea of racial justice is genociding Ukrainians. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm saying they they hide behind that that stuff, but their real yeah. policies have nothing to do with that. So we have three, four major parties. I mean, we're a lot like the Netherlands. You know, there's 35 parties mm -hmm. on the ballot. But there's three or four that have been sharing the power since the end of World War II. CDU, uh, which is the Christian Democrat Union. Uh, then you have their mm -hmm. sister party that rules over Bavaria, known as the uh, Christian Social Union. Then you have uh, SPD, which is the, the Social Democrat Party. And then you have the Greens. Um, 
then you have a new there's a new player on the block uh called afd alternative for deutschland ah yes uh they're a right-wing populist movement um they lost seats in the in this election in all in all the states that they ran in. they lost seats uh, that sounds a whole lot like our elections to be honest like almost an exact mirror yeah those, those seats went directly to the greens uh all the losses across the board yeah. the greens picked them up in every state uh in the state I live in, Hessen, uh, CDU still came out strong, uh, but I live where the banking is, and the C CDU takes care of the bankers. They're neoliberal corporatists. Mm -hmm. they, they work hand in hand with the corporations and make sure that the the wheels get nice and greased. <laughs> and that comes do to you uh, mind, um, do you mind if I ask you if you voted and if so what you voted for? Um, I did. I voted uh, for AF I voted for uh, AFD. All right, all right. Um, they're they're not my party, but there's no libertarians here. <laughs> I couldn't vote for libertarians, yeah. and and I'm not voting for neoliberal corporatists. Yeah, fair enough. We have uh, an LP here. Uh, they've existed since the '90s, and they have not. They have yet to hold a single seat in any elected body whatsoever. Um, so they're wildly successful, I would say. I mean, there's the free Democrats here, but they're a joke. <laughs> I think uh, in my state, they don't they don't even uh, break 5%, so they don't even see anybody in the parliament here in the state house. And, right. and CDU locally rules with an iron fist. You can't unseat them. Mm -hmm. uh, they, it'll never happen. And then, so that gets to my next point. There's been a bunch of corruption here in Germany lately. Breaking on election night was that a bunch of the CDU politicians were giving, uh, taking bribes for hooking up corporations with mask deals to sell masks uh, to the German people. Um, there's five of them right now. Alfred Soder, Nicholas Lubel, uh, Jörg Muslein, uh, Mark Hauptmann, and the new head of CDU uh, who overtook Merkel when she stepped down, Armin Laschet. They're all in big, big trouble. Two of them uh, were arrested uh, today in Munich, Alfred Soder and uh, Jörg Muslein, and both of them took over 2 million euros in kickbacks to hook up these companies with mass deals. Rookie numbers. Christ. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, also kind of interesting, is our EU president, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, is involved in this situation. And she also is involved with the Azerbaijan affair, where they were uh, hooking up the dictator of Azerbaijan with masks and vaccines and all that stuff for kickbacks. And this was stuff that was supposed to be for the German people, and they were selling it to a dictator. <laughs> so, but I imagine that this this is business as usual. And uh, with that, I want to pass this on to uh, Pavel and get your take. Yeah. I want to hear about Bulgaria. Okay, so I'm going to start first with explaining the situation. And in order to explain the situation, I need to find a tweet first. So give me just a second. Uh, so 
Politicians in Bulgaria have been talking about something called the Bulgarian model for handling the pandemic and about how successful it's been and how other countries are implementing it. I just want to point out that they've been nonstop talking about this. And also we are number two in the world in terms of uh, excess mortality. We're number one in Europe. Okay, that's how bad things are. Mexico is the only country above us. Wow. Yeah, so here's the here's the plan. Here's the Bulgarian model. It's uh it's a it's a meme, so it's written in really broken English. I'm going to explain the joke. So it's not gonna be that funny. Uh, <laughs> so here's how it goes. Point one of the Bulgarian model. Put naked Yusheci, that's uh, mattresses, in sports zala. That's the sport hall. Photo and sent to Medi. I hope that translates. Next one. Cross parks and Ponina. Ponina is mountain. Step three. Speak za chuvali for tubes. Those are body bags. Uh, okay. Cross. Point four. Cross restaurant in ulica. Ulica is street. Open restaurant in hotel. That's that's another point in the plan. Next one. Point five. Open Tnes today, close Utre tomorrow. That's another part of the plan. All of these points are true, by the way. That's exactly how everything has gone. Point six, open Stabs and Commissi, you know, open headquarters and commissions, close Stabs and Commissi. I hope what? that translates. Yeah. You, Wait, you so open, open you, it and then close it. Yes. You open a commission to do something, then you close it. That's what how you. Fuck? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Send Pileta, those are chickens, to Dubai for masks. From Dubai, have for me. Those are uh, fruit instead of masks. That actually Wait, happened so... in March last year. We sent chickens to Dubai in exchange for masks in March 2020. And we received fruit. Okay. Uh, what? Oh. <laughs> okay. What? Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, that actually happened. You can read about it. Uh, order vaccine not ready, so no no vaccines. We ordered uh, all the vaccines we ordered are not approved yet. The the Sanofi one is not approved yet. We ordered the most from that. AstraZeneca took more to get ready, so we ordered the most from that as well. Uh, we ordered nothing from Moderna almost. We have like five thousand doses or something, and we ordered some Pfizer, but not a lot. So we had uh, the rate at which vaccination started in February. We would have been ready in like 2040. We would have been ready with the vaccination. Uh, we, we picked up a little bit of speed in late February and March for like two weeks. And then the shit happened and we ran out of vaccines again and it rounded to a halt. So the vaccine situation is just a whole nother topic. Point nine. Uh, transport vaccine in Kremvirsch bus. Okay, Kremvirsch, it's a nice German word. Uh, the, if you understand that one, those are basically hot dogs. So what happens was when we got the first vaccines in January, we had to transport them to the local distribution centers and we didn't have any freezer buses. The government didn't have those really low temperature buses. So we just got some uh, uh, hot dog bus from a private company to transport them. <sighs> with hot dogs printed on the side. Uh, okay, keep the vaccine in old hodionics. Those are refrigerators. The refrigerators they kept them in were like uh, from the 1960s from the Soviet Union. Oh, because they had, do you know why? 
because they had a walk on them. Because the Soviets designed refrigerators in the 60s with a walk with you can walk it with a key. Okay. Yeah, that's why they used fucking 60-year-old uh, refrigerators. And you have to keep them in like a really cold refrigerator, but if you keep them only for like a day, it's okay. So they used an old 40-year-old, 60-year-old refrigerator. Uh, open green corridor, close green corridor. Okay, I have to explain this one. So what happened was uh, they started distributing the vaccines and they had like a plan, phase one, phase two, phase three, like every other normal country, mm -hmm. except for uh, the priority was all wrong. It was the exact wrong order. And the oldest people and the people with disabilities were in the last one. And the people in the first one were, of course, people in the government and in the police. Uh, but here's the thing. And the second one was, I think, teachers and, and doc uh, the first one was doctors. The second one was teachers and cops and stuff like that. And the third one was like old people or something. Uh, I don't remember. But anyway, the problem was that like half the doctors didn't show up and like 60% of the teachers didn't show up and like <laughs> uh, like a bunch of the cops didn't show up. Like, uh, like the problem with anti-vax propaganda here is so fucking bad and Russian trolls are just owning everything. It's just so terrible that when you try to organize vaccinations, nobody showed up. So there were all these extra vaccines we had. We have just minuscule amounts of vaccines and nobody wants them. So what they did was they opened something called a green corridor, which means anybody can just show up and get vaccinated. Oh, That's how I did it. I just went to the hospital, stood in line for two hours, filled out a form that I know that, you know, if my dick explodes, it's not my fault. Uh, it's my fault. I mean, it's not the company's fault, whatever I filled that in. Uh, I got the shot and done. I'm a 31-year-old man. I'm healthy. I have no disabilities. I don't work in government. Doesn't matter. I got the vaccine like in February. No problem. And then two weeks later, they stopped it because they ran out of vaccines. Wow. So that's, yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Point 12. Next one. Make people feel vinovni. Make them feel guilty. What? Point 13. Yeah, you, every time when something goes wrong, somebody from the government comes out and blames the people. He's like, people aren't uh, uh, you know, wearing masks. People don't want to get vaccinated. People are stupid. People go to, uh, they abuse all the freedoms we give them. We give them all these freedoms with uh, the, the most liberal lockdown orders and they abuse it and they're stupid and they're, they're guilty. And we're not going to impose a stricter lockdown because... Uh, people will simply ignore the lockdown. That's an uh, actual thing the minister said. Okay? It's wow. the people's fault for everything. Point 13, make people feel afraid. Because you put this information everywhere. You say, oh, if you take this vaccine, you're going to die. Uh, if you, whatever, if you wear a mask, you're going to get a, your, your kid wears a mask in school, they're going to, their wings are gonna develop like all, all of the stupidest thing you can think of has been everywhere fucking for 13 months and I'm going nuts. Uh, and point 14, of course, is go back to number one. So this is the situation for the last year in terms of just the pandemic, which is one small part of the shit show that we're dealing with. Uh, we talked with uh, Boshiro before about the situation in uh, mm -hmm. summer and autumn. So we go back and look yep. at that podcast. 
about the political situation and how basically, if I have to summarize the last 30 years of Bulgarian politics, the Bulgarian Communist Party in the 1980s figured, figured out that its days are numbered as a single party system. So what they did was they took down the dictator, they had an election, they faked the election, they wrote a new democratic constitution, and they added a uh, loophole in it. There's one specific position in the government that doesn't have any checks or balances in it, and that is the chief prosecutor or the prosecutor general. So right. that guy, we talked about him, he looks like a fucking yeah. uh, gangster caricature. That guy that got appointed in late 2019 is impossible to remove. Uh, he has a seven-year mandate and he has complete control over the work of every prosecutor in the country and every investigation, every criminal investigation in the country. And if there is a crime happening and he decides he doesn't want to investigate it, it just doesn't get investigated. So you can just imagine how that works in practice. Uh, we talked about people's businesses getting stolen. We talked about uh, whatever. Uh, in 2019, we had a hacking scandal, a cyber terrorism scandal where that guy came out before he got elected to this position and basically said that the hackers tried to hack the sprinklers in front of parliament. Turns out those sprinklers were entirely manual. Okay, so we're not dealing with a very... <laughs> we're not we're dealing, dealing with a rocket scientist here. Yeah, we're, we're dealing with a really stupid person <laughs> on top of being malicious and being... He described his politics as being a Christian, Christian patriot socialist. Can you imagine a worse combination of words? Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that guy. And anyway, he's been causing trouble all year. So, but here's the problem. He is not the cause of the problem. He is the symptom. The cause of the problem is that the Communist Party, of course, I explained that, created uh, the Bulgarian Mafia in the 1990s. Basically, the Bulgarian uh, Communist Secret Services in 1990, effectively privatized itself, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. They transitioned yeah. from a government law enforcement agency to a street gang, literally. Uh, but they still maintained all of their connections. And unlike Germany, our secret files remained classified. So all the, all the snitches remained in, in power and all of their files with all of the snitching they did remained in the hands of those gangsters. Uh, so right now we have, I think, like 30 or 40 communist snitches running and most of them are in right-wing parties and explicitly anti-communist parties. So if you, if you don't like communism and you decide to vote for somebody, good luck. Uh, unless you want to vote for the liberals, which don't have any, but all the other ones have communist niches and secret agents in their ranks and everybody is fine with it. So that's what happened. And the, it got, it was getting better kind of slowly, a little bit, bit by bit for 20 years, things were getting better. But then in 2009, our dear friend, uh, Boyko Borisov, which we talked about, uh, the prime minister got into power with the help of the German CDU, with the help of, uh, a lot of German money, and I have been advocating for napalming Germany ever since. Because I think a lot, think a lot of people want to napalm Germany. Yeah, I think I think America went really soft on them. Uh, 
Um, yes. So we're yeah. going to end up having to march on Berlin again. Yes. Um, yeah. This time without the Russians, they obviously didn't uh, didn't do it properly. Oh, yeah, we're going to end yeah. up having to march on Berlin again. Uh, yeah. They're out of Can control. we just kind of glass Germany as a whole? Because because there's a lot of Turkish and Bulgarian and Romanian people there, and you I kind of like those people a bit. Yeah. There's there's actually not surprisingly there's not a whole lot of Germans left here. Huh. Just just the ones in power. Yeah, like people who don't have to work for a living. Yes, those are so the we Germans. can get rid of them safely. The huh. the rest of the people uh, are imported yeah. as as essentially cheap labor. Mm-hmm. Like I have like uh, a lot of friends, literally. We've either worked in Germany for a long time or still there and have their entire families there. Like uh, a friend of mine uh, took his entire family, uh, his parents, his wife, his kids, whatever, all of them. And he's doing exceptionally well, even though he has like minimum wage. But he's huh. very hardworking. He has impeccable work ethic and he's doing very well. He couldn't do that here. It doesn't matter how good, how well he works, how diligent he is. Just no, uh, can't can't do it. So any complaining I'm hearing from the Western our Western friends in this podcast, I'm sorry, uh, I can't take it seriously. <laughs> Obviously, um, but let me continue now. Let's get back to the players. We talked about uh, Boyko Borisov and his yes. party Gap. They are technically an Euro-Atlantic center-right Christian Democrat. Uh, pro-NATO, pro-EU party, but they're headed by a guy who in 1989, when he was told that he had to leave the Communist Party if he wanted to stay in the internal ministry as a firefighter, he had to quit the party. He decided to quit the ministry instead because that's how much he was attached to the party. Uh, Even though he's a big anti-communist now. Uh, Then he, of course, became a gangster. And then he became big friends with the German Christian Democrats, uh, which supported him and put him in power. And he is, of course, has the great qualities of leadership of being both extremely stupid, extremely sure of himself, and uh, just completely convinced that everybody around him is stupider than him. So... That makes for a lot of really interesting situations in politics. And also he is a complete coward and he has zero royalty. So anytime anybody gets it, uh, he gets in trouble, somebody else gets burned for it. It's never, it never gets to him. There's always uh, these fuses between him and the, and the scandal that blow up. Of course. Yeah, that's just the... And, and, the and, that, have... and that prosecutor's his friend, isn't he? And, and make sure that he never gets investigated. He, I'm pretty sure that the prosecutor was put in place to keep him in check by the people who keep his strengths. So they're on the same team right now, but they're only on the same team because they have the common boss. But things are kind of changing and he might fall out of uh, favor pretty soon. We have to wait for the elections for that. And let me get to the elections then. So the second party is the Bulgarian Socialist Party, which are a delightful group of people. Uh, they uh, recently had an internal purge of people who don't think like their leader, a woman named Cornelia Ninova. Uh, they had a purge, so business as usual. Um, 
they are not like a socialist party you would expect in the West. They are a uh, a deeply conservative reactionary party. Um, they are very pro-USSR, even though there hasn't been such a country in 30 years. Um, they're entirely driven by nostalgia. The average age of their voter is 300 years old. <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're the second largest party. And one good thing about COVID is that they probably gonna have fewer voters now, like at least like a few thousand fewer voters. So um, especially in like the small uh, towns and villages where they, they don't have any hospitals or doctors. So things might be changing a little bit in some of those places. Um, so that's the second party. And then you have uh, everybody else and everybody else is a complete like shit show of um, so in the 90s there were the the two main political forces were of course the socialists and the basically the union of democratic forces which was a coalition of various uh, pro-western pro-capitalism parties the so-called right and the right imploded in the early 2000s and has been attempting unsuccessfully to reassemble itself into something politically useful and Right now, it's in one of its most successful states, and they're probably not going to take more than like 7% of the seats. So the actual, we we believe in liberalism, Democrats, that's how much they can do right now, because they imported in the 90s, uh, in the, the 2000s. Um, they're going to get about 7% of the seat, and those are the people that I might vote for if I didn't think they were incompetent idiots who are probably okay with fascism as long as it's, it's not obviously fascism. Uh, like they have, there's nothing about LGBT rights on their website. There is, uh, they're in coalition with the Greens. So it's big coalition of various parties that are center right and a little bit to the left with the Greens. So they're anti-nuclear as well, which in Bulgaria is very complicated because uh, nuclear in Bulgaria means Russian nuclear. So I'm, it's very confusing for me because I'm pro-nuclear, but I'm anti-Russian. So right. I'm like in a, in a difficult situation with that position of mine. Uh, so, and of, also they have like, just like all the other parties, they have some generals in there. And I, I'm fucking sick and tired of generals in fucking the president's general, the prime minister's general. There's, it's, can we, can we not have any more generals, please? Uh, anyway, um, then after that, we have the, the Patriots. Explaining the Patriots is a bit difficult because the Patriots basically split uh, are a coalition of two parties, which split. And one of them got into a coalition with another Patriot party. And they're going to be running together. And the other Patriot party is going to be running alone. And basically, if you... Um, if you want to take some money from Russia, the easiest way to do it is to start a nationalist right-wing party. Because I'm absolutely convinced that every single hardcore right-wing party in Bulgaria is like uh, communist agents taking money from Russia. Uh, that's not entirely without evidence, but it's not really provable. But I'm going to insist on it. Uh, like uh, I, uh, I think I'm gonna need to move to Bulgaria. It sounds like I can make a pretty easy living there. 
Oh, if you have no scruples and you don't mind the threat of somebody being envious of you and taking everything you have by force, please come over. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's all about who you know. Anyway, after we get done with the Patriots, which are a shit show, and hopefully they won't get any seats because they're idiots. Like, they're somehow even stupider than the Prime Minister. Uh, uh, we get to the... So every country has a certain percentage of its uh, electorate in the so-called protest vote, right? Mm -hmm. So every election, some new party or some new thing gets a certain percentage of the vote for people who don't care about politics. All they want to do is vote anti-establishment. That's called Donald Trump won, and that's why he lost, because it's a very unreliable bulk of voters, Uh, right? So that bulk of voters is probably the biggest one in Bulgaria. So we got a guy named Slavit Trifonov who's been who's been on TV for 30 years, being like a musician and a show host and whatever. And he surrounded himself with uh, various retarded fascists of different kinds over the years. And they decided to start a new party uh, with a bunch of stupid ideas that are never going to work in practice. But they're very stubborn and they have a lot of popular support because he's kind of popular. I mean, he used to be much more popular, but he's still kind of popular. And he's also very anti-establishment. And he has a 30-year track record of being anti-establishment and shitting on all politicians of all colors all the time on TV every night, five days a week. So 30 years, five days a week, you shit on politicians, you're going to gain some capital with the protest vote. Uh, That party is going to get is going to be maybe on third place and there might be the deciding factor in the new government. So the next uh, coalition is a brand new one. One of them is uh, the former ombudsman, Maya Manova, who is a former communist from the Socialist Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is deep, deep, deep into the establishment, but she, did, she lost favor, I guess, and went on her own, started her own sort of political party uh, and the other part of the coalition is the so-called poisonous trio. So oh dear. <laughs> uh, the poisonous trio are like a, a professor, a PR agent, and a warrior who basically led one part of the protest this summer. So that's that's a combination. Uh, how to, you know, I, I repeat, it's a professor, a PR guy, and a warrior heading the protest movement this summer. And the whole summer, they're like, no, this is a citizen protest. We're not a party. We're not running in any elections. This is about citizen rights, whatever. And boom, election comes. They're like, oh, we're starting a party. Oh, by the way, we're going into coalition with the fucking establishment, which. Uh, So uh, that's basically it in terms of the players. So any questions so far before I continue? Um, Man, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, um, your government is <laughs> beyond my stuff. Oh, I guess that's uh, what the USSR will do to your country. Well, we were never in the USSR because they didn't want us. Really? What the fuck? Yes, actually, we we did what we were like. Hey, we want to be in the USSR. The USSR was like, um, if you we put you into the USSR, 
the USSR will now be neighbors with two NATO countries and one neutral socialist country that kind of hates us. So no, thank you. Go go away. Oh shit! Yeah, right. Because I suppose Greece and Yugoslavia with, uh, or ended Turkey, with Greece Romania. and Yugoslavia all hated the USSR, and Romania didn't like the USSR either. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody that was in the USSR, apart from Russia, actually liked the USSR. Uh, Maybe some some of them did, but uh, anyway, to get back on topic. Um, yes. What do we expect to happen from here? What is going to happen is that there won't be a clear majority, so the coalition is going to be, have to be formed. And my dearest, uh, oh, I forgot the most important party. How could I forget about them? The Movement for Rights and Freedoms. Oh, they're my favorite party. Oh, dear. Yes, they are nominally liberals. Their former leader, the the guy with the, the big uh, mansion we talked about in the other podcast, uh, Dr. Professor Ahmed Dugan, a person who was a member of the Turkish, uh, not the Turkish, the Bulgarian secret police during the communist years, who was on death row for terrorism against the state while being employed by the, by the secret police. Okay? On death row. Undercover. That's how committed of a communist he is. Wow. Uh, while the, the Bulgarian... Uh, communist government was committing ethnic cleansing against the Bulgarian Turks. He was snitching on Bulgarian Turks because he is a he is a Bulgarian Turk. He was writing papers about how to remove Turkish nationalism and Islam and replace it with Marxism, stuff like that. So he's the big savior of the ethnic peace and he is the big um, uh, savior of the Turkish ethnicity in Bulgaria. Uh, I happen to have a lot of Turkish friends. I come from one of those areas. I really love those people. They're very hardworking. And the fact that that is their representative and the fact that most of them are fairly loyal to him really fucking pisses me off. Uh, so that party is entirely a criminal organization run by that guy. It's uh, in the center of every corruption. For 30 years, they have been the balancers. Like when there isn't a clear majority, they can go with the socialists or they can go with the right-wing party in a coalition and basically decide who is in power and they can they they decide uh, as long as they get certain ministries like for example the agriculture ministry where all the european agricultural subsidies go through stuff like that oh. yeah uh, or the energy ministry where all the oil deals with european. russia go to um oh, you know Christ. that yeah. sort of stuff uh so these guys uh on paper they have very good nice liberal views but in reality, they are literally a criminal organization. So they're going to be a factor in this election. And just like the Socialist Party and like GERP, they are basically creations of the Communist Party. Basically, the Communist Party is fragmented through first becoming a mafia underground, and then the mafia split and created some parties, basically. Uh, that's what happened. Like They sprout like, uh, like uh, hell mushrooms. Uh, all these uh, creations like all the major parties in Bulgaria are basically communist tops regardless of their ideology except for the useless liberals of course uh, but mm. even, they, even they have some shady connections where they might have been co-opted at certain times like that's a different deep topic the, but to say what, what we expect I don't know what's going to happen but what I hope happens is I hope the Bulgarian Communist Party finally assembles itself 
in the form of GERP, the Christian Democrats, the Bulgarian Socialist Party, and the Liberal uh, Movement for Rights and Freedoms. I hope they form a coalition, they assemble themselves into one new government, and then we just kick them out all together at the same time. What have, that's, that's the hope, at least. Um, so Will that happen? I don't know, but... So what kind of uh, expect... role does, does Germany and the EU play in your, in your government there? They, they, they give all the money. They feed the entire thing. Because there's nothing to steal from Bulgarians. Well, they, they do ship a, a lot of auto jobs, I thought, to, to Bulgaria and Romania specifically. Nope. The, what this country produces mainly is uh, uh, we keep uh, the immigrants from Turkey from getting to Germany. <laughs> and Germany, we get a lot of money for it. And Germany pays bribe money. Uh, Germany basically maintains the power of the local marquee to keep the mark from getting overrun by the barbarians. And it doesn't care how despotic the mark is or how corrupt. If that oh, makes sense. Yeah, it does. And then you guys are the ones who, who bear the brunt of this whole mess. Mm -hmm. That essentially Merkel, yeah, has Merkel has created. I mean, it's not just Merkel, like a the like I said, uh, it's the European People's Party as a whole. Uh, it's the uh, what was it? Renew Europe, which was the the party the uh, movement for rights and freedoms is a member of, and of course the European Socialists with the Bulgarian Socialist Party. Like all of them have a role to play into this. It's not just Merkel. It's just that they're at the center and their interests are the leading ones. But it's a really big network of uh, of that, and. The thing about, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, that's how the system works. The European Union gives all this money. It doesn't care how it's, uh, how it's uh, spent. The European Commission uh, comes up every year with a new report about the progress in terms of rule of law in Bulgaria. And every year it has this very diplomatic language of everything is fine, but there's more work to be done. And last year, thankfully, the European Parliament had a bunch of annoying liber uh, socialists and Greens be, be like, um, excuse me, Bulgarians have been protesting for 100 days and screaming about how Germany is funding corruption in their country. Can we please uh, have a resolution about the situation and condemn the government's actions? And they managed to do it. They passed it in the Parliament, a resolution, a non-binding one. But it was yeah. extremely embarrassing to... The government and they had to uh, basically the liberals had to go on tv and explain listen the european parliament is a bulgarian institution we elect those people that's one of our institutions because nobody here has a european mentality nobody views themselves as european nobody views the european parliament as an institution that we have control over as a people because we don't believe we have control over anything other than our stomachs basically and that's it. Um, so if you wonder why we're second worst in the world in terms of mortality, that's basically it. Man, holy fuck. That is... Um, uh, goddamn. All right, so... Um, that is a whole lot of information to process. Um, 
as well as just painting quite a clear picture as what what an incredible shit show uh, Bulgaria is. Um, so my main question is who is uh, expected to win in the upcoming elections? Well, well apart from the communists. I mean, uh, the big winner is going to be Slavit Trifonov in his populist TV show party. Because he that's a party that didn't exist six months ago. Ah, and okay. they're gonna get like they're gonna be like number three in terms of numbers of seats. Uh that's basically I mean they're I don't know if they're gonna end up in the government coalition, but they're the ones that in terms of uh having a zero start in politics to having a real impact in zero time. And we still don't know exactly how they who backed them and how this whole thing was set up. Is it really just a, a protest vote or is there something more we don't really know yet? I have my suspicions, but I don't have anything to uh, concrete to point to right now. Um, so that's basically the the big winner in terms of, uh, in terms of who's gonna be number one. It's going to be Gift. The the current prime minister is gonna his party is going to be uh, the one with the most seats, and they're not going to have any anywhere close to a majority. So they're going to need at least two other parties. Mm-hmm. And if they can't really buy the the different uh, patriot and nationalist parties place in the parliament, they're going to have to compromise with the socialists or the populists. Right, yeah. right. Which uh, they're they're on the same team, but they kind of hate each other. They <laughs> kind of. I I tried to explain that last time. They kind of compete with each other, but they also kind of they kind of have the same boss. It's kind of like a. Uh, all the words serve the same thing, but they all hate each other and go to war with each other. If that makes sense. It makes sense. I have uh, a colleague that fucking hates me. We have the same boss, but uh, she fucking uh, hates me. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you can you can work for the same boss and still yeah. hate each other. They're part of the same structure, but yeah, it's yeah. not quite kayfabe, but it's kind of similar. <laughs> uh, if like uh, if like the wrestlers took kayfabe really seriously. And there was like a personal right. question there yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That makes, well, I don't want to say it makes sense because it doesn't really, but um, I can see like how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, to switch topics a little bit, Brian, before you, um, when we were talking for you coming on, you said something about Germany's role in the, um, American military industrial complex, right? Yes. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's not quite related, but if you could uh, go into that a little bit, that would be uh, quite interesting, I think. Okay, so a lot of people think that you know Europe itself doesn't benefit from its NATO alliance with America. That, you know, it's just the United States, you know, Europe's a bunch of vassal countries. That's not at all the case um the microchips for the bombs they can't come from china by u.s law they they can't come from china so where do they come from well they got to come from germany they're only other country that has a semiconductor manufacturer that's sufficient enough supplies all the microchips for the planes the missiles the tanks by the way 
guess guess where all the guns that uh, the Iraqi army is using right now that America had to uh, buy them in order to build the Iraqi army came from Bulgaria, Germany. Yeah, well, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Yeah, Bulgarian AKs. Uh, yeah. Americans oh, know Arsenal. Arsenal AKs, the best ones. Buy them, please. You're helping my <laughs> government's uh, budget. Yeah. Yep. That's that is 100% true. So yeah, we all here in Europe are involved in this. Like uh, all the specialty metals and specialty chemicals. Those all come from German companies. So, and Germany benefits greatly from the refugees that are created from these American wars. When those Syrians and Iraqis are being driven here to Europe, they come here and they undercut German labor. They work illegally in factories here. They work illegally at hotels. And they are paid below minimum wage. The women get whisked away into the prostitution markets here in the big cities in Europe. Oh, of and, course. And that is really, I mean, the UN's published it. It's, you know, the UN uh, report on replacement migration. Europeans quit having kids. Well, the big banks need somebody to pay the taxes. And and to keep the, uh, the housing pr- prices inflated. Well, mm-hmm. Germany is more than willing to supply America with the weapons and the, and the technology that it needs to run its war machine. That makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, to add to that, I think people don't quite, um, how do I say, don't quite understand why Europe is so happy to... Um, essentially just kind of you know let america run its defense of course we supply some weapons and some parts to the american military but i mean the dutch military has boiled down by this point to like a quarter of a submarine uh two and a half helicopters and like five dudes in a shed with a walkie-talkie um and i'm sure the german military isn't much more impressive than that because it's all bundled up in one giant European military, supposedly. Um, and uh, I th- believe the NATO norm is you have to pay into your own military or your own defense um, something like 2% of your budget uh, or 2% of your GDP or whatever. Um, which for the longest time, many, many European nations haven't um haven't done and haven't reached um which is fine because the americans will do it um but that also means that we have a bunch of tax money that we can now spend on healthcare. so our exactly. european free uh with some or you uh, have money to spend on healthcare. how lucky ha huh, right well let me put it this way western europe's supposedly <laughs> free healthcare in quotes um that comes from tax money that tax money can be spent on that because it's not going to a military um so i'm not sure if i covered this on the podcast before or i just told someone this in like a voice chat on discord somewhere but my whole theory is that um with the way the us has been printing money uh that bubble is going to burst at some point which is going to have the most incredibly huge um 
uh, how does it like economic crisis as a result, which may force the Americans. Now, I this is pure speculation from here on, but may force the Americans to cut down hugely on uh, military spending, um, which with uh, Russia on the borders of Eastern Europe uh, will force uh, basically all of Europe to massively up its military spending, uh, causing our healthcare systems, uh, finances to fail, causing collapse of the, or causing a, an economic collapse in the European Union. Um, well, I think, and with EU, that, I think the EU itself is going to collapse. Yeah. Currently, just Germany by itself is 2.2 trillion in debt with somewhere in outstanding loans to Southern Europe over 4 trillion in, in the ECB's uh, target two balance where Germany is just giving money to the rest of Europe. So they turn around and buy German products. You know, that's, that's a whole mess in itself where Germany is essentially enslaved you know, the southern part of you know, the European Union by giving them giant loans that they can never pay back. But, yeah, but jokes on them, jokes on them, we only buy second-hand German goods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure all your politicians are driving Mercedes-Benzes <laughs> and BMWs, though. Oh, that's, but that's like, uh, what, a thousand cars? But everybody else drives Golfs that are 30 years old. <laughs> Where can I uh, apply for my BMW subsidy? Uh, uh, first, you uh, the uh, depends on how stupid you are. If you're really, really stupid, <laughs> the easiest way to do it is to uh, join the police school. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Our police actually doesn't drive BMWs. They drive uh, VWs, which I find vastly disappointing. Yeah, the prime minister drives Toyota, by the way, because uh, apparently, I mean, he's great friends with Merkel, but uh, I don't know, He, I guess he prefers Japanese cars. Well, <laughs> the Toyota was probably put together in Germany anyway. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, that's what they call it. They call it uh, Jipka TV because the, <laughs> the Bulgarian word for SUV is Jipka from Jeep. And right. the Prime Minister, since the protest started, has just been touring the country his, in his SUV. And showing oh, everybody yes. how awesome everything he's done for the country is. <laughs> and he even he even gave his coat to some random guy recently. Off, yeah. off his back. Took the coat yeah, off I his back. I saw you tweeting it. about that. Yeah. Holy shit. And the, the turns out way, there was like a, a really expensive pen in that coat or something. Uh, so by the way, I remember I remember now from the first time that I had you on, um that your prime minister was just traveling around the country. Um, inspecting all the roadworks because, well, essentially he didn't dare to come home. Yeah. Uh, is that still going on? Well, it's election season. So, of course. And, oh, wow. uh, and there was actually a big scandal because uh, there was a question about whether or not the fact that he uses uh, uh, government security during his election tour was abuse of uh, power. Because he's using government's funds for his security while he's on the election campaign. Which That's somebody a, a I'm sure cared about. Scandal. Yeah. Somebody I'm sure somebody cared about it. Somewhere. Like, That's if I don't know, if there was anything I would get mad about, like that would not be it. Like 
what's the, I mean I don't really see the I mean I think the car also is government property. And the gas is also government property, like the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean in the US it's common for the president to to have secret service protection, even on No, no that's time. that's normal, of course, but I'm talking about uh just using all of the resources of uh uh, having your campaign effectively financed by the state. Yeah, that's pretty corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's less than ideal. Speaking of our prime yeah. minister here in Germany, Merkel uh, decided the other day, her with the 16 uh, prime ministers of the states, they, they were going to uh, put us in a real hard lockdown, even shut down the grocery stores over, over the Easter right. week. Right, yeah. And then uh, our health minister, Jens Spahn, he, uh, he decides to go on Facebook and say, well, yeah, 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 we're going to shut everything down for the Christians and the Jews. No Passover, no Easter. But uh, Ramadan <laughs> starts, on, <laughs> starts on the 13th, so we are going to ease restrictions for Ramadan, though, and allow the Muslims to go to mosque. And the explosion on the Internet, they got drugged. Merkel, the next day, hops on the news, says, I'm so sorry, we're going to reverse course. No no stricter lockdown. You can go to church and, and synagogue, that's fine. And we're also not going to shut down the grocery stores. Yeah, I'm willing to cut down, down to incompetence rather than malice, even though I usually don't. Oh, Merkel's an idiot. Even though she's supposed to be a genius, she's, she's not too bright. <laughs> Yeah, yeah she, we, like we, we have our lockdown is ten days. So yeah. in ten days we'll see if we're gonna make it longer or not. But uh, that is um, surprisingly short. Uh, yeah. It's stupidly short because it's both useless. Uh, it's too short to help, and it's long enough to do damage. Oh, that's genius! Yeah, that's. Yes. Um, Right, because, very big uh, brain move. Uh, we were in lockdown for like uh, all of uh, autumn and winter, and then in on the first of March we opened up back uh, all the restaurants, and now we're closing them down, which means that all of those restaurants had to take loans and get yep. all of their workers back from the countryside. Oh uh, Jesus Christ! Well, uh, fucked everyone more. Uh, yeah, fucked everyone super more. Uh, rent apartments for the workers, whatever. The workers had to rent apartments. Uh, everybody's fucked. And they, I remember this in the news every day. Somebody from like the business association would be like, we need guarantees. There won't be another lockdown. There won't be another lockdown. The government was like, yeah, there won't be another lockdown. Don't worry. Open up. We need to open up the economy. They did that specifically to win election points. It would have been better if we stayed in lockdown until April. And I remember... I, every morning I watch the news and I read the, the numbers and I kind of, I'm pretty good with uh, intuitively with numbers so I can just see, okay, things are going bad and they're going to get worse and whatever. I can just predict the, the course of the, the pandemic. It's not uh, that hard. And for all of uh, February, I was looking the numbers go up slowly and every politician was like, oh yeah, the numbers are going up slowly. It's controlled. We have enough hospital beds. It's okay. We can open up. And I'm just sitting here and like, year one calculus, okay? Anybody who studied cal basic calculus knows that there is such a thing as an inflection point. The graph goes, grows slowly, it hits a point, and then it shoots up 
rapidly. Yep. That's going to happen in two or three weeks. It happened in the middle of March, exactly when it was supposed to. Everybody, including the government mathematician, knew this was going to happen. He was on TV like in, in February. The, the government has this mathematician working for them. And I have never seen a more defeated person on TV ever. He was just there like explaining the math with like zero fucks. Like the guy, the guy knew that nobody gave a fuck about what he had to say ever. And he was like, yeah, uh, in three weeks, things are going to get bad. This number is growing. It's going to reach like 1.2 in so so weeks, which is equal to E over 2. The math geeks know what that means. And I'm like, yes, it means exponential growth. Why is everybody so fucking stupid? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he doesn't give a fuck. He knows that he's going to be ignored. He's being paid to be a monkey on TV and just tell people that the numbers are bad and we're going to take measures and be very calm about it. And I just fucking hate all these these people. Uh, just like close stops, open stops. Yeah, that's... We've been on under continuous lockdown since last Which month. is a better idea. We've been under... We've been under continuous lockdown. Uh, they they eased it up and allowed some people to go into some shops and some bars for a few months, and then they they shut it all back down in, in October, and we haven't opened up since. Uh, and April eighteenth, they'll meet again to decide if there's going to be any easing or not. They're that's, they're allowing that's... they're allowing some kids to go to school while the other half to ha- have to stay home and do homeschool. Yeah, Most... they they can't decide about that here. Uh, listen, you, that's a better approach to have a stricter lockdown. If you're not going to have a, a, a the right thing to do, which is to start mass testing in March 2020, that's what they should have done, and uh, whatever and just get a handle on it early so they don't have to make this mess now and all of us have to sacrifice our freedoms. They could have handled it smartly, but they didn't, of course, so now we're stuck with this. But it's definitely much worse to be in the Bulgarian state of, okay, we're going to do the least amount of work, which is A, not going to help, and B, actually get in the way. So I think continuous lockdown would have been better for us. And like I said... The whole idea of closing, opening, closing, opening. That's crazy. This destroys businesses even worse. Yes. And it's... The the worst part is, of course, psychological because people kind of take their cues from their leadership and it seems like the leadership doesn't take it seriously, so they don't either. So that's why anti-mask and anti-vax is so high here. And that's why... Uh, people made made fun of me all the time for wearing masks. And I started in like February last year because I was on top of this. Like all of us, all of us Twitter nerds were like looking at China and be like, okay, why, why is there more pollution in Wuhan? What are they burning there? What the fuck is going on? Holy shit. Yeah. Why why are there no trains? Why are there no trains moving there? What the fuck is happening? And we're like doing the math and trying to figure out, okay, how, how many people are dead? How many cell phones are off in Wuhan? What the hell is going yeah, on? Yeah, Jesus. And we got an idea that. about what's going on. And I completely freaked out. And I was like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen in my country. And I was right. But maybe some of the Western countries are going to be a bit more prepared. They're going to pay attention. Turns out, do you know who paid attention and was prepared? Countries right next to China who don't trust China at all, like Vietnam. Fucking A. <laughs> Those countries. 
And all those countries are open now. Yep. Yeah, those countries figured it out. They're like, okay, we're going to have three months of super authoritarianism, and then we're going to be back to normal. Shut everything down, test yep. everybody, mask up, and, and most important of all, do not let people from China fly into your country. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were flying students back from China in like uh, February. So was Germany. Germany was yep. doing it too. Germany was flying Germans who had no that were living full time in China, mm-hmm. who had no reason to come back to Germany. Was the German government was going there and picking them up and flying them back to Germany while they were. I sick. mean, re- repatriation is not a bad idea, but it really needs to be done carefully, and uh, they didn't. But that's not how it came to Europe, by the way. It came through business trips and stuff like that, and people just doing normal stuff, and. It probably got to the U.S. first, and maybe came from there. I still—it's going to take years to figure out what the hell happened and why it happened. But those of us who were on top from the start kind of knew what was going to happen, and I was genuinely surprised how poorly some Western countries handled it. Mm. Um, so it seems like um, there's kind of two approaches to the whole Corona thing. Uh, it's either. Uh, an approach that has sailed for most of us already, which would have been extremely strict lockdown from the moment we saw bodies dropping in China. Um, like, as you said, just full authoritarianism uh, for like three months and then you're good. Or just fucking natural selection survival of the fittest. Um, like let grandma and grandpa and everyone who's a, a single pound overweight die. Um and that seems pretty much to be the option. What we're doing now, it and well, cripple I mean, half of the other and, ones. What? And cripple half of the other ones. Like, yeah, the number of people who are crippled by this is insane. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, kill grandma, kill grandpa, kill everyone who's a pound overweight, and then cripple about half of your healthy population. Um, you know, and then uh, like continue with business as usual. Or lock everything down from the beginning um, extremely strictly and then be done with it forever. But what definitely isn't working is this uh, lockdown, open up again, lockdown, open up again, fucking bullshit. Uh, But then, well, it's not exactly on accident. Um, Actually, it's exactly on accident. In terms of... uh, in terms of how government decisions are made in complex democratic systems, it's uh, it's a tragedy of the commons. It's uh, uh, yeah. race to the bottom. It's all of those failures of markets that happen. Any game theorist can explain to you why this happens and why it will always happen, why always the worst decision will be made because the system is set up for everybody to avoid responsibility. It's set up for everybody to cover their ass. It's set up for everybody to make the safest choice for their organization. And it's set up based on the assumption that everybody else will cooperate. And uh, it's it leads to this. And it's not exactly an accident, but in terms of nobody made the conscious decision to make it this bad. They just stumbled upon it based on incentives and incompetence and corruption in different places like they all these factors contribute to some extent mm-hmm. 
Well, and a lot of it comes with our politicians didn't listen to the health experts years ago who were saying, look, this is coming. We need to plan for this. There's going to be a big pandemic, and a lot of people are going to get sick and die. We need to stock up on masks, respirators, all this medical equipment. And nobody did it anywhere. Yeah, I remember um, seeing a uh, documentary of some sort about that in the Netherlands, uh, which, as you said, was from years ago. Um, and it just kind of, you know, came up with a topic. Like, let's say it's some sort of fucking major pandemic hits. Like, where do our, does our medicine come from? And do we have enough here? Uh, do we have enough personal protective equipment, etc., etc.? Um, and the conclusion was, well, basically, uh, like 90% of our medicine and our personal protection equipment, etc., etc., comes from China. Because where else would it come from? Um, I think... And uh, do we have enough? No. Yeah. Not at all. Not, not, we do not have enough at all. Um, because, I mean, we have enough for now, and we have enough for when it gets slightly worse. But we are not in the least bit prepared for uh, a global pandemic because why would you? There's absolutely no chance of that happening. It's not like we have had the fucking black death happen uh, before. Um, so they actually even, took even these... recent stuff like SARS and MERS, which were yes. very recent. Yes. So these took these they took these findings um, actually to the Dutch, the then Dutch Minister of healthcare or some sort of like position like that i don't know how it is over there but like the exact functions and names of the ministries they just kind of change with every new coalition and every new cabinet um whatever the guy responsible for the general health of the population and also healthcare. so this, they took these questions to him uh and like look are you like aware of this you know are we do you think we are sufficiently prepared? Like, oh, well, no, I was not aware of this, but I will make a point of this. So he made a point of it in the, um, I believe, in the, the like Dutch parliament. Like, oh, well, you know, that's, a, that's a, a, a thing we should probably do something with. So what they did is they took it to uh, one of the many, many EU meetings where they raised the point. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should probably do something with that. Like, form a commission or something. And then nothing happened. And, and that happened pretty much everywhere. Besides the, the Southeast Asian countries that, that border China, who knew that something like SARS or MERS is going to happen again and come out of China. And they had, already, yep. they had already planned and knew that something like this was eventually going to happen. And so they were already prepared. They see something yeah. go down in China. Shut the borders down, turn shut the trains is, off, the buses, mask everybody up, send everybody home. This is kind of a pet peeve of mine because uh, I happen to be an expert in a field. I'm a software engineer. So I'm one of those uh, math nerds. <laughs> and I'm always in, you know, I told you so mode. Like, I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. Nobody listens to me. And then I go, I told you so. So I understand that perfectly. And that is a fundamental part of modern Western culture of uh, just the nerd is there to make the shiny toys and 
fuck him when he has an opinion. Uh, we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want. And that's basically how the entire system works. Uh, you know, just keep making the fucking uh, shiny buttons and keep uh, moving the ads around. Just we, we don't want to hear you. Just go back to the basement and do whatever. Like that mathematician guy who obviously tried to tell people, like, this is going to be really bad. But they're like, no, no, go to TV and tell them that this is going to be really bad, but do it in a nice way. And we're not going to listen to you. That's basically what happened. Um, yeah. And then you well, then you have ones like Dr. Fauci or the World Health Organization, you know, come out and tweet and say, well, there's no evidence that this coronavirus transfers from human to human. Right. There's, because there, there's a difference between an expert and a nerd. Yeah. Do not trust the experts, but always fucking trust the nerds. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yep. uh that's what I you know you had believe this, right now. You had the supposed people though who were supposed to be on top of this lying to people, like Fauci going on news and saying, Well, masks don't work, don't use the masks. And then turn around saying, Well, the masks work, use the masks. And then and then them falsifying studies <laughs> about all of it. It's been crazy. Yeah, I think I think specifically the American health authorities panicked because they were caught off guard and nobody wanted to be embarrassed by how badly they've been caught off guard. So they went into full cover your ass mode and that's basically what happened. At every point they made every decision that's going to cover somebody's ass. Um and here in Bulgaria, uh, nobody gives a fuck. Like, uh, this is my ass. It's very beautiful. And if you don't like it, you're a, you're a communist or you're a traitor. Just go fuck <laughs> yourself. That's, oh, you know, this, this ass is building so many highways right now. The most terrific highways. Like, I made fun of America for four years when Trump got, was president because of how fucking stereotypically Balkan he was. He even has a Balkan wife. It's fucking hilarious. <gasps> That's right. Jesus yes. Christ. <laughs> I fucking I, oh, man. 2016 oh, I was like you fucking idiots you're stuck in here with us now <laughs> <laughs> oh right. but, but now they got but now they got the senile old man who's, who's a pedophile and a war criminal oh it's even worse oh a pedophile and a war criminal well the pedophile isn't exactly something we have a lot of but the war criminals is very definitely a very powerful trait so yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, but the Americans kind of got that beat, you know, with murdering five hundred thousand. Uh, excuse me. There's a there's a Serbian song called "My Father Is a War Criminal." Nobody has the balls to take him to court. <laughs> there is no American song like that. Wow. Okay. Nobody nobody has a song about you know where they have like Obama's children being like my daddy is a war criminal. Uh, if uh, if the cake uh, convicts him, the U.S. Army will invade the, the Netherlands. Like there's no song like that in America. <laughs> there is one in Serbia. I'm very sorry. Well, well, because our our uh, our war criminals speak with erudite accents, and you know we're we're nice tan suits. Nobody wants to question them. I mean, some of the some of these war criminals used to be professors. Like I think, uh, you, you know, stuff just normal people. Yeah, and uh, people in government, ordinary like the bureaucrats. Like I feel like. It's... Here in Netherlands, we have figured out the most, like, boring way to be war criminal, because, um, like, what happens if, as a politician, war criminals are 
or happen under your um like like under your your influence or under your uh, command um what you do is you step down and you lay low for about a year and then you get hired as an advisor of some sort for a big company oh that's right Shell wasn't wasn't the dutch military the the guys that fucked up in serbia and it's yeah those... they fucked up in um Srebrenica. yep mm-hmm. although they we, really we, racist uh, towards the muslims there something like that um i'm not sure what i believe happened uh is that um what's his name mladic i think he um he came and he was like yeah i'm just gonna take these men all these muslim men uh to safety um and you blue helmets are not gonna stop me um and then the dutch blue helmets were like you know what sounds like a good deal to us have our muslim men and women and children that we are guarding here and bring them to safety um and then well mladic brought them away a bit and then shot them all dead yeah yeah that's it's the way of the world I mean, i'm sure we're all, yeah, i'm sure somebody all had, i'm sure somebody had to resign for that one uh yeah well Honestly, I'm not even sure. I think they might have covered it up back then. Yeah. And then, like, several administrations later, someone had to resign over it. Um, but then later they got hired as, uh, well, as I said, an advisor or an executive at some sort of big company. Um, yeah. So Thankfully, Bulgaria hasn't been part of any war crimes in at least, uh, since at least the Second World War. Uh, although we have been active militarily in a bunch of countries since during the communist era and now in NATO, uh, just sending troops to different places, but mostly it's just uh, police work. Um, so... I'm fairly certain we've committed a few war crimes in Indonesia. Mm. Um, I'm mm. not a, an expert on that history, but uh, I believe it was after the Second World War that uh, partly under the influence of the fucking Japanese. Uh, Indonesia was like, you know what? We'd like to not be a colony anymore, but we'd like to be independent. So we sent what was left of our navy uh, to there to shoot at them, and probably killed a few civilians uh, in the process. Um, yeah. Well, just the other day, Germany decided it was going to be a good idea to send a warship to the South China Sea. Oh, really? Yes. And what exactly were they hoping to get out of that? Oh, uh, well, you see, since Biden's been elected, NATO and the NATO countries have uh, thrown their support and want to get active. Now that the bad orange man's gone, they want to get active in in the U.S. military war machine, not just making the bombs and the bullets. They actually want to send some soldiers now. Germany was you know, the first go, hey, hey, let us send a warship to, to China. Well, you guys know that um, the EU just sanctioned China along with the U.S. Not hard enough, along with the, with the Russia as well. Yeah. Well, well I'm not the story a, of European sanctions, not hard enough. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of sanctions, though. That's an act of war. And, and uh, I, the ones against Russia, specific against specific individuals. So, 
I don't know what the deal with Russia was, uh, with China was, but the, the the Magnitsky Act is like one of the most brilliant political moves. Uh, where the idea of okay, we're going to sanction specific oligarchs who are specifically criminal, and we're not going to be sanctioning the entire economy of a country or whatever, which is both counterproductive and, like you said, it is a an act of war and a war crime. It is literally a bouquet. Yeah. So well, well, I, the, I think what, what the U.S. is doing to Yemen on behalf of Saudi Arabia right now. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely shitty. But uh, in terms of Russia, I think they're being too soft because of Germany again, because Germany really fucking wants that gas for those factories. Well, yep. somebody from the Netherlands and Gerhard, I don't, I don't know what politician, she's a former politician of your guys is in the Netherlands just joined mm. Gearhart Schroeder on the board of Rosamask. Yep, yep. And uh, here's the thing. I There's a lot of Germans working for the Russians. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Uh, I don't know how far the declassification of the Stasi files went, but, if, uh, but there's probably some connections there. Oh, I'm sure it's there maybe, is. Yeah. Uh, it's probably much less, by the way, they, we had a big, uh, spy scandal here, like a bunch of spies got arrested for some spies in Bulgaria. It was a big circus and I'm still not decided if it's a real op or if it's an op <laughs> in the other sense. Right. Like somebody is trying to fuck with me and I can't tell if it's the Russians or if it's my <laughs> government or if it's both at the same time, or if the, it's, a, it's both, both, are they working together or they're working against each other? I, I can't ah, tell. Of course. Yeah. Well, and don't put off CIA involvement either. Here's the thing about the CIA in Europe: uh, you don't get promoted for running cops in Europe. So only the biggest idiots who don't do anything work in Europe. You do you agree with that? No, yeah, not, yeah, that's not that's where, okay. Sure. You you you're in the CIA. You want to get promoted. Where do you try to get uh, assigned to? Iran, Venezuela, Bulgaria. Oh, yeah, obviously Iran. Yeah. You, you want to go to Iran. Yeah. The people here, uh, like, honestly, the more cost-effective uh, American tool isn't the CA here. It's Radio Free Europe. That's much more cost-effective uh, in and, terms and of just, actually getting shit done. Right. And probably just playing uh, old bribes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, well, I uh, think we... Uh, I think we can keep this going for another hour and a half. I warned you. I warned you. This is going to be a two-parter. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to have to make a two-parter out of this. Um, because, I mean, we've been going for almost an hour and a half. Um, and I don't want to torture my listeners too much. Um, so how about we stop it here and then we carry on uh, at another time. <laughs> It's trendy liberal Angelina Jolie. Uh, I'm sick of it, and I'm calling you out, scum. If you don't like it, you.